Hi, this is Jeff D. Hi, my name is Gary Savard. Check it out, Bubba Brinkman. I am the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson. Hi, this is Jody Emery. Hi, I'm R.N. Rod. Hi. I'm James Randi. Hi, this is Phil Ferguson. Hi, I'm Michael Shermer. Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick. Hi, this is David Silverman from American Atheists, and I took a left at the Valley. And that was the best turn I ever made. Uh... <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Atheist. Coming at you from sunny Abbotsford, D.C. This is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and when I die, I want all my exes to lower me to the grave so they can let me down one more time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team who wonders if a Roman paramedic would refer to an IV as four. Think about that one. <laughs> when she came to Canada and was asked if she had any firearms, she replied, What do you need? Nancy. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> She parked her car to Tollway Zone, and when she came back, the whole area was missing. Christina. Poor car. <laughs> and I guess her official debut, I guess, because her eyeglass prescription was only 50%. She got a monocle. Kirsten. Yeah, I can see that happening. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. We're going to have an interesting show today. We're not going to have a typical show today. We're going to have a show uh, that's much more political, I guess. Oh, goody. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to be talking later on. Because that's what the world needs. That's More right. politics. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're going to be talking to later on to Michael Sparks, who is doing a, a project that regards Bernie Sanders. He's doing a documentary, and he's going to ask us Canadians, although I don't think we're going to represent the whole of Canada, but I've yet to find some people that have disagreed my, with my views. So they're going to be asking us how we felt about the whole Bernie Sanders-Hillary Clinton thing of last year. That ought to be so good. Oh, I've got lots to say. Yeah, especially <laughs> since Hillary's book just came out. Exactly. How very apropos. Absolutely. Uh, but in the meantime, let's do a bit of chit-chat. Well, I have to bow my head. Cassini is dead. Oh, I know. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. This was the uh, satellite that was around Saturn. Now, I had the immense pleasure of meeting Carolyn Porco, who was the head of the imaging team for Cassini. Uh, for our audience out there, if you want to find something that is awe-inspiring on, on YouTube, look up uh, Carolyn Porco's speech at Imaginal Religion. I believe it was four or five. And uh, the images they took from that uh, satellite and that mission, I mean, it took seven years for that satellite to make it to Saturn. And around Saturn, they, uh, they, uh, they explored a lot of the moons of Saturn, especially Enceladus. And spoiler alert, what they found is, uh, Enceladus is eventually a gigantic snowball, if you wish. And they found signs that there is an ocean underneath, warm, salty water. That is so cool. So now they think the next step is to eventually send a rover out there, drill a hole, put a camera in it, and see if anything swims up to it. Wow. Yeah, and she also did, uh, remember in, uh, in the 70s, the pale blue dot? Yes. She did the exact same thing. She turned the camera around and she took a picture of Earth through the rings of Saturn as you focus and focus and there it is, that pale blue dot with a little white dot not far behind being the moon, of course. It was, is uh, fantastic. Was, yeah, was she um, on the Cassini project from the very beginning? Yes, she was. She, yeah, she used to actually also work with Carl Sagan yeah. and she was also part of the inspiration because uh, I don't know if you know the movie Contact. 
Yes. That was written by, uh, by from a history uh, from a story by Carl Sagan. She was also part of the inspiration for the character played by uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Ellie Sadler, the names. the actress, <laughs> jo- uh, jo- Jodie Foster. Foster. Jodie yeah. Foster. Yeah, she was also the inspiration or part of the inspiration for the character of Ellie, uh, Ellie Sadler in the movie. Ah. Yeah. A fantastic little woman and very very brilliant. So, um, now if you take one thing away from this year, take that farmer bro Martin Scarelli is going to jail. Woohoo! Oh, <laughs> uh, this... I couldn't be. I couldn't be happier. Should we send him? Should we send him a, a congratulation? What kind of a what kind of a Hallmark card would fit that that I uh, don't occasion? Know. I don't know, but I couldn't help but smile on that one. <laughs> uh, of course, he uh, he posted bail initially, but when he after that, being the brilliant man that he is, he put down a five thousand dollar bounty for a lock of hair from Hillary. Ron Clinton. If somebody was to bring him a hot rock out here. Yes. Yes. So then the judge ruled that he's creating an ongoing risk for the community and just sent him to jail directly. Is is he like actually like He's stupid. He's he's, he's full of money and he's just, you know, money meets stupid. That's what he is. So good riddance. I think that's a great way to put it when money meets meets stupid. He's he's poster child for for that. He's a guy who doesn't care. He thinks he can get away with everything because he's got money. And you know what? He's just doing some stupid, stupid things. And now he's going to jail. Um, An Ohio University research has shown that atheists are more impartial than Christians. Inconceivable! There's a, a, a little game they call the dictator game, where you essentially have a, a bounty, and a person has all the power to divide the bounty amongst the people. And they found out that uh, if Christians and atheists know uh, whether or not they're atheists or Christians and the people around them, the atheists are actually biased, and the Christians have demonstrated a bias. So if the Christian was to divide the bounty and they know you're an atheist, they're going to give you less. Hmm. But if they don't know... If it's completely anonymous, then everybody's pretty much the same. But as soon as they know that you're an atheist, yeah, they're not as... Because we're ungodly heathens. That's right. Uh, In other news, NORAD Deputy Commander Lieutenant General Pierre Saint-Amand said that the extent of the U.S. policy is to not defend Canada if North Korea was to uh, throw missiles our way. I saw that. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of. And I didn't re- I didn't realize that that Canada had decided to opt out of that um, program. How long ago was it? Oh, that they... I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Well, it means that U.S. ballistic missile defense system would not be used if North Korea was to launch missiles against Canada. I think the odds of that are slim. Yeah, because uh, yeah, nobody wants to but, nuke Canada. Oh, no, exactly. Canada. No, we're 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 the good guys. But at the, at the same time. Uh, geographically speaking, on the latitude there, we're not that far. We're almost a closer target than the U.S. in many ways. Um, also, in the meantime, North Korea has been launching missiles over Japan. Mm-hmm. They used to launch mi- missiles, you know, into the Sea of Japan. Now it's over Japan into the Pacific Ocean. And if you know there's one nation that has the right to be completely freaked out about <laughs> missiles flying overhead, yeah. it is Japan. Yeah, I'm sure they're absolutely thrilled they're, they're, with that They're They're really mm-hmm. giving the one-finger salute, aren't they? They really point. are. They really are. So tensions are mounting that way. Um, Scary. Irma, the, the, the hurricane that hits Florida, but also it didn't, give the, it didn't give the worst case scenario. Thank goodness. 
The um, whoosh worked. <laughs> that's right. The whoosh from last week, and it didn't quite work. Now, the funny thing is, Kat Kerr came back online after that when she realized that her spell of whooshing didn't really work, and she basically uh, started to defend that uh, farmers need rain for their crops. Oh, right? my gosh. And there was yeah, an- but they don't need a freaking monsoon. No. <laughs> and there was another pastor. This guy is called Lance a. Walman, uh, he's one of many, who claims his prayer <laughs> turned Irma from a Category 5 to a Category 3 and diverted it. Wow. Yeah, now, see, now I'm, I'm really confused. I, I wanted to follow Kat because I figured, man, she's, she's quick with the maneuvers, you know, changing. When the scepter doesn't work, she's got another story. Now this other guy comes along. Who am I, who is a girl to believe at this point? Well, they don't seem to realize that as soon as a Category hits land, of course, Lowers. it diminishes in strength. <laughs> that, that's like me being like, my prayer made the t- earth turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Guys, a joint God's effort. real because I asked him to turn the earth. It's well, that it's, works. It's kind of like it's kind of like saying God only paralyzed the victims of a car accident instead of killing them. You know? <laughs> Praise God, He only paralyzed them. So, and uh, speaking of the hurricane, there was a Facebook event that prompted people to shoot. Hurricane Arm. I heard about this. With their guns. Apparently there was 45,000 participants. And the police have to actually come out and tell people, don't do that. It's just a stupid thing to do. And you can murder people. I'm pretty sure there was a diagram showing why it was a bad idea to do that. It's a bad idea. And in these very strong winds, you're not exactly sure what the bullet's going to do anyway. So you just might end up... Shooting yourself. Well, it's not that bad, but shooting somebody (laughs) else. Disasters just bring out every facet of humanity oh, this is they? this this is how you know that this is why i always said earth is like the alabama of the universe Mars oh don't want to come here oh they know we're just too stupid <laughs> uh there's some tension between mexican and you and the u.s uh after trump fails to send condolences to mexico because mexico just had a, a law a big earthquake we talked about last week yeah. and also a hurricane right it was like a category one hurricane but they had a hurricane nonetheless so mexico decided to withdraw its offer to aid the u.s so tension have been mounting there. Mm-hmm. Um, they offered to uh, the uh, even as Trump tweeted Mexico as quote one of the highest crime nations in the world, and in, and Trump never responded to their offer. So um, ninety five people died in the earthquake and the Category One mm-hmm. er- hurricane that struck the coast. And normally, as a head of state, it is normally custom to say send your condolences mm-hmm. and offer help. Trump did not do that, wow. so it's not helping the U.S.-Mexico relations, obviously. I don't well, think Trump cares. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. and anybody anybody who expects him to extend condolences to a country that doesn't have a predominance of white people, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's just, um, but to his credit, Greg Abbott, uh, governor of Texas, did say we would appreciate any help. You yeah. can give us, and for Greg Abbott, you know, who's also pretty far to mm-hmm. the to the right, but he's a little more um, uh, PC, I yeah. guess, than than. Uh, I, will, uh, I was also surprised by the lack of press on this. The 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 the, the media did not cover that story at all. I mean, you, I I got the story out of CBC and the BBC, but the American yeah. media was not covering that story at all, and you would think they should. Well, I think you know to. Not to defend them, but just to you know, kind of be um, uh, forthcoming about what was happening. The the media was so involved in just covering the hurricane 
that it, they didn't cover a lot of things that were going on. And it was hurricane 24-7 from Friday yeah, to Monday. Yeah, but how hard Monday. is it to take that five minutes from the 24-7 and say, hey, Mexicans are all Oh, no, no, I agree. But I, what I'm saying is they just stuck pretty much to, to the U.S. Yeah. Um, if it bleeds, problems. it leads, right? Yeah. Uh, locally, did you guys hear that the Vancouver Park Board has decided to adopt a no-balloon policy? What? Oh, oh, wait, no, I heard about this. It's yeah. so that... You're not supposed to bring balloons yeah, to so park functions like, or in the park. kill animals. No, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's because it's, it just came out and we're all scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, a great movie, by the way. It's, it they're not, they're not going to reinforce this with fines or anything like that, but they, they're going to wag their finger sternly at mm-hmm. you for if you bring in balloons because, especially with helium, the balloon usually lets go and, and it folds up in the air and ends up over the ocean and it just falls and it looks like a piece of food mm-hmm. and sea turtles or something ends up eating it and usually dies yep. and you know they're just trying to do the environmental thing apparently yep. it's <laughs> a lot of people up in arms over this i think it's they're a great balloons. idea I, mm-hmm. I, you know i kind of i kind of appreciate the idea of that too i mean they're balloons for christ's sake I mean, balloons are pretty but animals are better exactly mm-hmm. I, I sort of have to insist you agree. yeah kids kids will find something else to enjoy exactly. streamers or you know, thingies. But it's, if it's good for the environment, I'm for it. Exactly. And last but certainly not least, we have to talk a bit about the uh, London uh, train blast. Oh, man. Uh, another attack in Wait, London. I haven't heard about this. Yes, this happened yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, during the morning rush. Oh uh, there was a bomb. It was not a suicide bomber. It was actually an improvised uh, explosive device that partially exploded at 8.20 in the morning. Uh, no casualties, 18 are wounded, thank goodness. Oh, wow, that is good. Uh, ISIS claim responsibility. Right now, as we speak, they've arrested an 18-year-old man. They haven't released his identity as we speak right now. Uh, of course, another failed attempt. I can't help but think that, you know, ever since, it, se- it seems that the uh, security forces in the world have been doing such a good job at coordinating their, their fight against ISIS and stuff like that. They seem a bit more desperate now. I mean, they're not using guns anymore. Mm-hmm. They're using trucks because they can't seem to have access to guns. And they're not doing suicide bombers anymore. Now they're using imp- improvised yeah. devices. Well, they're running out of people. <laughs> well, maybe that's it. Maybe they've run out of people that are willing to sacrifice themselves. And now they have to do this kind of lowbrow explosives instead, mm-hmm. right? I, I, to me, it's only my opinion. I don't have facts to back this up. But it seems to me it looks like maybe, maybe they're winning the war against these idiots. Mm-hmm. One can I only think- hope. I think yeah. they should definitely be thinking of, okay, if we take this away, what might be their next thing that they might go to? Yeah, well, there are and some things you can't. No, I absolutely. I mean, the last couple of attacks in London included, you know, a truck. Uh, a a truck guy comes out with a truck and then starts stabbing people. It's like, oh, these people haven't been able to find guns, obviously, You can right? only do so much. Yeah, and there's, you're not going to be able to take away knives, obviously. You're not going to be able to take away guns. Uh, not Sorry, not guns, not trucks, I mean, cars and trucks. So, I mean, they seem to be push back in their arsenal of what they could do. Yeah, but there, I mean, London has really had its share of um, bombings and oh, yes. truck um, killings and, and so forth over the past year. It's It's been a tremendous drain on that population to think when they go out in the morning, are they going to, are they or their loved ones going to be able to come home? So even though they, they may not be able to have things to explode, they've still, I think, created an atmosphere oh, yeah. where people are very edgy. But thank goodness, the um, the army and the the police do a really good job 
of mm-hmm. tracking people down, which is a good thing. I also I also get the impression that uh, they they started uh, by a couple of years ago. They were attacking Paris a lot. They were attacking mm-hmm. France. Yeah, a lot. it's almost it seemed like the uh, the uh, reaction from the French was screw you. Yeah, know? we're not going to be intimidated by that. And now they seem to have moved to London, hoping to create maybe yeah. more terror. And of course, the British with a stiff upper lip <laughs> hasn't really worked on them either. So I'm kind of wondering are they going to move to maybe another hopefully for them more sensitive target. I don't know. You know, maybe it will continue those efforts, even if you go to, I don't know, let's say Berlin, and eventually you realize... Dude, you can't scare the Germans. I sort of have to agree. I sort of have to agree, but, you know, if, maybe they're, they're trying to find... Because terrorism, that's the name of the game, yep. right? You're just trying to instill terror. It hasn't seemed to have worked with the French. It doesn't seem to work with the English. Who are they, where are they going to go next, right? Yeah. So... I mean, the only ones that are truly terrified of the terrorists in some aspects are the Americans. Yes. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's something else entirely. Yeah. All right, moving on. My dear Nancy, what do you get for us today? Oh, I've got something that um, I think is a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's an organization in, in the States, um, the, the umbrella organization is the, the Annals of Improbable Research. I remember that. And once a year, they have a gala at Harvard that's called the Ig Nobel Prizes. And it's this is the 27th year, and it's absolutely wonderful in a way I keep thinking thinking it's almost part of the British sense of humor, the, the same way that Monty Python's Flying Circus was years and years ago. And what it is is an annual celebration of silly science um, at Harvard, silly science actual research. And it's a celebration of uh, research that is seemingly dubious science, um, but it, the main objective is to honor the research that first makes you laugh and then makes you think. So um, the annals publish uh, six times a year, and they have a lot of research in it that's just wild and bizarre um, and, and funny and strange. And then from everything that they've published, they narrow it down. And it's like the Nobel Prizes in that they have different categories. And during the ceremony... Um, people who come to the ceremony wear silly hats and they give people paper so they can do paper airplanes and fly it. And the Sounds people. Like my kind of event. Yeah, and the, the people who win awards have only 60 seconds in, to um, uh, claim their. Uh, oh to, you know, to give their, the, the speech, yeah. you know, to, to do that. So there's all kinds of wonderful things that go on during the ceremonies, and it was on the 14th. It usually comes right after the real Nobel prizes are awarded, and the, the people who award the prizes at the Ig Nobel are Nobel Prize winners themselves. Yeah, so it it really is fun. So the name is a play on the word ignoble, which is baseness, loneliness, or meanness, and the Nobel Prize, but it's ignobel, not like the word ignoble. So awards are presented um, for discoveries, as they say, that cannot or should not be reproduced. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's great. And the, the awards ceremony is traditionally closed with the words, if you didn't win a prize, and especially if you did, better luck next year. Oh, my gosh. So, so here's the crop of winners. I'm not going to go over all of them. You can find them online at... Um, the uh, the annals of improbable research. They also have um, 
a, a podcast that uh, I, I don't oh, think cool. it's it's every every week, but they have a lot of things going on that you can enjoy during the year, so you don't have to wait once once a year for the Ig Nobel. But this is the jewel in in their crown. So in the award for physics. The award for physics is awarded to the research that asks, can a cat be both a solid and a liquid? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And um, a a Frenchman from Lyon won the prize for using fluid dynamics to probe the question, can a cat be both a solid and a liquid? And his paper, which was published in the Journal of Rheology, so these are real Mm -hmm. research papers, uses cats to explain one of the central tenets of the study of rheology, the field of physics concerned with how things flow, and the motto of that is everything flows. Mm -hmm. The paper's hilarious and concludes that much more work remains ahead, but cats are proving to be a rich model system for rheological... I'm butchering it, sorry, uh, research both in the linear and nonlinear regimes. And the, the way the research started was that the, uh, the author, Farden, became intrigued on how cats fit themselves into yeah. any kind of container and then are able to come out of it you know, mm-hmm. and prance away, but just the way they form. So, <laughs> have they seen ferrets? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that was his, that's his, that's a paper. Then there was the um, the peace award, which was curing sleep apnea with digger. I'm gonna did you reduce did you did you reduce yes do you know what it did? it's a musical did, instrument well, but surely, yeah. yeah that's that one of the first um, wind instruments yeah. and it, it came from Australia yes. yeah okay so this is a Swiss a Swiss researcher two three Swiss oh my heavens <laughs> um, I gotta stop drinking before the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> Four researchers rewarded the the prize, demonstrating that regular playing of the didgeridoo uh, <laughs> uh, um, would um, ha- would be an effective treatment for obstructive sleep apnea and snoring. So they gave it the peace prize um, because it said that if somebody stops snoring, it brings back oh dom- domestic gosh. bliss <laughs> in the family. And the interesting thing is the um, one of the researchers is actually a didgeridoo instructor, and he found that um, he and some students were more awake during the day and snored less after months of practicing. So that's how they decided to conduct the experiment. So they rounded up 25 patients, and the patients became so interested that a lot of them decided to take lessons. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, it, <laughs> so it increased his his uh, uh, ba- merry band of Digidaroo <laughs> players. Win-win. Yeah, so the prize in economics, I'm not going to go through all of these on the website, but I think this is a cute one. In economics, will holding a crocodile make you a better gambler? Oh, my gosh. So... Two uh, researchers from the, from the Institute of Health and Social Science in Australia 
picked up the... Of course, it's e- Australia. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. So, so they wanted to see it, how contact with a live crocodile affects a person's willingness to gamble. And the researchers literally made the experimental group hold a three-foot crocodile <laughs> prior to gambling. I mean, this is real, this is real yeah, science, but, but fellas. But Australia, that's like their morning walk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the experiment's results showed that this state of arousal induced by a crocodile holding can, in fact, increase gambling risk as long as the gamblers don't dislike holding the oh holding the animal. <laughs> you sure it's not your opponent? You know, you're playing blackjack, the guy across from you decides, okay, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I, but, but if you think about it for a minute, you can see that holding it just kind of gets all of your nerve endings firing, you know, and you're you're in a state of, holy smokes, what's going to happen next? And you can take that sense of excitement, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll... You, what the heck? I might as well go ahead and gamble this $5,000. I survived holding a, a crocodile, right? So they're hilarious. And some of the other ones that I'm not going to go into, I'll just tell you about them. Do old men really have bigger ears? That was what an anatomy. In medicine, the neural basis of disgust for cheese, that was an MRI study. Cognition, can twins recognize their own faces? No. And here's a, t- yeah, here's <laughs> As a, t- a twin. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, they found out that they don't that non-twins do better than than mm-hmm. twins in recognizing. Biology. Here's a good one: female penis, male vagina, and their correlated evolution in a cave insect. That's hmm. worth looking at. Fluid dynamics. Walking backward could reduce or maybe increase coffee spilling. <laughs> I need to do that. that. Nutrition, the bat species that sucks human blood. And this one is so intriguing, but you're going to have to go to the website because it's a little involved. And it is the one in obstetrics called Fetuses Prefer Their Music Delivered Vaginally. Oh my God. <laughs> So those are the those are the awards for for this year, and we'll definitely keep up with them. But I strongly suggest that anybody who gets a kick out of this go to the website, mm-hmm. the Annals of Improbable Research. We should get somebody from that committee to come on the show. Absolutely, that'd be hilarious. Absolutely. I wonder which oh. ones they they turn away, like they don't get the awards, but they're close. Well, those are the ones that are in uh, that they they pull out, and they're in in the Annals publications oh, six okay. times a year. You know, we totally could contribute to that because we not only know that cats are solid and a liquid, but they're also a recording device. Yeah, with yeah acoustic that's right. kitty. You know, the story <laughs> of acoustic kitty. also transphobic, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sitting on your lap. Oh, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. If, if you're listening to this, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You, you have, have to go listen back to the show. And we had Marissa McCool. That was good. And we won't tell you what episode. You've got to go through all of them to find <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nancy. But just before we go talk to our friend uh, Michael Sparks, let's do our favorite segment that we know all know and that we call another brilliant moment. Brought to you by religion. Woo-hoo. All right, I've got four quick stories. Now, what do you think Catholic priests and children, you now naturally cringe, and maybe that's because of (laughs) stories like this. Pope Francis decided to protect the pedophile priest from prosecution. The Vatican used diplomatic immunity to shield the priest from child porn uh, charges. 
And this is according to multiple reports, a high-ranking priest working in the Vatican's uh, embassy in Washington was caught while child pornography, including image of prepubescent children. However, after the U.S. prosecutors indicated they were ready to lay charges uh, for the priest uh, for possessing child pornography, the Vatican stepped in, claimed diplomatic immunity, and shipped the pedophile priest to Vatican City, where he is now safe from prosecution. How, how can anyone that's like, has children that is worried about their safety, bring them to a Catholic church? Yeah. Like, and, how? And I, I, don't, I don't think we have a lot of Catholic listeners or, or even Christian listeners, but if you are a Christian listener, stop giving your money to the church. Especially your the money's not church. going to Yeah, your money's not going to charity. Some of it might, but most of it goes to things like this. It's, it's just beyond belief. Here it is, 2017, and these stories and rooting these these priests out have been going on for what at least 10, 15 years oh, in terms of getting you know getting the publicity, and it's still they still have not dealt with the problem. Yeah, I mean, what is wrong with these people? Exactly. Seriously. All right, story number two. Now, cops haven't been seen favorably this year, and this story won't help either. <laughs> Now, using deplorable anti-gay slurs and signing the Bible, that's always a good start, a West Virginia de- deputy bullies and harasses an openly gay teen on a public school bus. Now, what? this is a Clay County Sheriff Deputy Robert Belt. He's in hot water after multiple witnesses report that while working part-time as a school bus driver, he's a deputy, but he's also mm-hmm. the, bu- the bus driver, um, he used a bus intercom... <laughs> To publicly humiliate and harass an openly gay high school student. <laughs> and wow. he, he said, quote, No faggot activity will be permitted on this bus. In my Bible, it states that faggots will burn in hell, and I will not condone it. Way to go, buddy. I read it's, that. It's just, such a pillar of the community, aren't you? It, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you, you, have, you have to wonder what the, I wonder whether the school system knew that he had these views before they hired him as a, as a bus. Mm-hmm. That's so blatant. I, I would love to see him do that on my high school bus. We would literally, like, make him quit. Are you talking <laughs> about the wheels on the bus driver? Yes. Well, I think that's what happened. The, the, the kids on the bus complained. Good. There was one openly gay yeah. boy, and I guess yeah. the, the Mr. Belt yeah. knew it, but the, the kids on the bus yeah. did complain. The, well, the, the incidents are a review. Yeah. The thing is, the next generation just coming right now are so much less, like, non-accepting. Yeah. Like, they look at adults that are, like, homophobic and they're just like what the hell <laughs> you're so stupid yeah. so what do you think should happen to this guy uh, I mean, fired should, yeah but obviously from the bus driving position as well but even as a deputy i think you should can him as well i mean if you got that kind yeah. of mentality as a, well, as a, a member of yeah you're supposed to be upholding the law because yeah. the thing is i would he has to be at least made sure that he's not you like acting on his obvious like well, homophobic He's not only tendencies. acting about it, he's blatant about it. He didn't he didn't tell that face to face to the kid. He used the intercom mm-hmm. on the bus. Yeah. I mean, are you how, how much of a douchebag do you have to be? This is really really yeah. douchey. No, he's <laughs> got he's got to lose his oh, sheriff's yeah. job oh, as yeah, well. For sure, for sure. Another story. Texas megachurch pastor, that's our first flag, Robert <laughs> Jeffries, a paid Fox News contributor, another red flag, asserted on Wednesday that President Donald Trump's immigration plan is supported by God himself, <laughs> who he said is, quote, 
not necessarily an open borders guy. No, God is not necessarily an open borders guy. I had no idea. During an interview with Fox and Friends, Jeffries partially agreed with a group of evangelical pastors who asked Trump to take to make a Christian compassion a key part of his immigration reform plan to ban so-called dreamers. That's the whole DACA thing that's been mm-hmm. going on in the States. But the Texas pastor also said that God likely disapprove of people who violated U.S. borders. Yeah, but God's all about tearing down walls, as seen in Jericho. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Good one, good one. Now, Jebus has a strict immigration policy, apparently. I mean, (laughs) Jesus said we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that our neighbors are not just people like us, but people different than us, Jeffrey says. But while Christian compassion is one consideration, it's not the only consideration in the immigration problem. I mean, the Bible also says that God is the one who established nation and its borders. Isn't that great cherry picking? Yeah. That's just fantastic. I love that. So God is not necessarily an open borders guy, as a lot of people would think that he is, he added. And thirdly, the Bible says God has ordained government to protect its citizens. So when you talk about biblical solution to immigration, yes, we need to talk about compassion, but we need to balance that government with real responsibility to protect its citizens. You know, it's wonderful to have one book that you can use regardless of what your point of view is. It, just, it makes absolutely no difference. There's something in that Bible you can twist and turn and manipulate to fit whatever wacko, exactly. discriminatory idea that you have. So you know? wonderful. So wonderful. It, yeah. Okay. Last but certainly not least, Toledo. You know Toledo? They just had a local election. And two weeks ago, Prophetess, another one, <laughs> Opal Covey, warned that God will do to Toledo what he did to Houston if she doesn't win the mayoral primary. So is Toledo near the ocean? Probably. I think okay. No, 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 no. Toledo, Ohio. It's, oh! Yeah. Wait. It's up... It's well, kind of hard to know, get a hurricane. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, but God can do everything. Yes, they've, he can. They, all they have is uh, they've got lakes up there, but they're, they're no main bodies of water. <laughs> Quote, it's overdue. The judgment has been upon Toledo for a long time. God sends a prophetess like me saying, let this city go. This city is mine. And I've, been, <laughs> I've told them what God wants to do, and they have rejected it. I see, ah, mama, my ayah, taya. That's exactly what you said. Know that I am a vengeful God, and I will destroy you for disobedience. With ten plagues. That's right. (laughs) Well, will somebody think of the children? I don't know. First of all, she's got to find. She's got to look at a map of the United States and learn where Toledo (laughs) is located. After after she does that, then I want to hear what she. She'll find something else to say. So the Toledo Blade reports that the incumbent mayor uh, Paula Hicks Hudson declared victory in the mayoral primary uh, Tuesday night, and added her campaign still has a lot to do to defeat uh, her main opponent Wade Kep. Well, I'm going to ask her this. Whatever. In a general election. Uh, with election officials reporting all votes counted, uh, the endorsed Democrat had 9,686 votes. Uh, her opponent had 8,350 votes. And uh, the, the Tom Winiski came in third with 6,659 votes. And of course, the prophetess tallied 199 votes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe 200 people voted for this woman. <laughs> 
Well, let's see. How many relatives does she? Yeah, she's got her church. Thing. She's got her church members. Yeah, the pastor. Still, her cousins. <laughs> if they live in Toledo, <laughs> no. Even if she was kids. my even if she was my crazy aunt and I was living in there, I would still not, I would tell her, yeah, sure, of course I voted for you, but I would not. Well, then you have people that go into the voting booth and they have no idea and they say, oh, Opal's a nice name, I'll vote for her. <laughs> so she picks, she picks up some people just like you know you vote for horses at the at the track because you like their name not because they're exactly. capable of winning maybe she go on the track and run <laughs> <laughs> so miss covey who's 77 has run five times before has never really received more than one percent of the vote deputies escorted out of the early vote center tuesday night after she was asked to be quiet oh my gosh after her previous loss covey declared that she would no longer stop god from destroying toledo as she, he told her he would if she was not elected. Quote, God has already told me that if I wasn't go, I wasn't on that seat this time, that destruction is going to come, and I'm standing back. I'm going to let it happen. Oh, she could do you, so much to help them. You know, really, though, she's it's giving her a purpose in life, running. That's her <laughs> hobby. And it's giving everybody else a really good laugh exactly. for elections. So, you know, there's good in everything. Now, if you plan you to travel go, to Toledo oh, for some reason... Do not go there. You never know. The <laughs> wrath of God might come down upon you. <laughs> oh, God. This, this is too crazy. Thank you so much for your thoughts on this, guys. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with Michael Sparks. So stay with us. Hi. I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. Ray Comfort, his big stumper was literally which came first, the chicken or the egg? A lot of the interviews took place in front of a building that said liberal arts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that they're not all science majors. <laughs> Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? So joining us online is Michael E. Sparks. He's a writer and a filmmaker. He's also a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Michael, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. 
Hey, glad to be here. Michael, you have a, quite an ambitious project you've got going on there because you basically are diving deep into the whole what happened during the election, especially on the Democratic side of things, right? You want to elaborate on that? Uh, well, we we uh, thought the story needed to be told, and uh, so I, con I started contacting um, documentary filmmakers about you know what happened with the uh, the the quote democratic primary in 2016 um, in my world uh, where everybody's really informed with politics pretty much everybody knew what had happened but uh, going outside of that world which I always try to do and just talking to average uh, people who don't follow politics you know people did have some understanding I people were coming up to me on the street because I have about 50 Bernie Sanders bumper stickers oh, nice. uh, on my car. It's like 360. <laughs> it goes all around. And um, just a way of covering up all the scratch, scratches and dents <laughs> on a 1996 car with 250,000 miles on it. And people started coming up to me, you know, about, I don't know, like about a year ago and saying, wow, Bernie really got screwed. So apparently that had leaked. I learned that that had leaked thanks mm -hmm. to WikiLeaks, I guess. Uh, um, an organization I'm not a huge fan of, but, you know, they did one thing good there. Uh, you know, had... Um, people started to realize, but, you know, people are going to forget that really quickly. Yep. And so we, we were like, somebody needs to make a documentary. And um, everybody we contacted either didn't return uh, our, our messages or said they were busy with other projects. So we were like, you know, why don't we just do that? Mm -hmm. And so I talked to a couple of friends of mine who make films, and I said, no disrespect, but, like, isn't it just like you record footage and then you edit the footage? Isn't that like all you guys really do? And they were like, yeah, pretty much. I was like, okay, I can do that. All right. So we're, so we're, we do have a goal to put out um, a documentary that starts with Occupy Wall Street and then ends with um, current time. And we, and that's a pretty ambitious project. And we have an animator for that. And we're, we have an, uh, we now have a, bunch of people messaging us and saying they want to help with it and we, we want that to be out in 2019 so what I'm currently doing is I take I went out on the road and we just started interviewing Bernie Sanders delegates and grassroots activists all over the country we went to 24 cities and did 30 interviews and I brought those interviews back and I said now let's learn how to edit and I got some editing software and sit down and you know what it's not really that difficult you know honestly so I'm pretty confident we'll be able to get this out by 2019 well, yeah, well I'm excited like to watch it, it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's that's probably um, good that that there's all that time left for you to do the work because between now and 2019, or the the elections and whatever happened at the uh, the during 2016 will be able to play itself out, and the, I think your documentary will be spot on. I think it's very timely too because yeah. there is an actual possibility that Mr. Sanders might actually run for 2020. Seriously. Well. Yes. Oh my gosh, that, I didn't. Yeah, that's our hope. Oh my gosh. Actually, he's, he's been traveling to all the spots and sort I of hinting. I know this. Sort of hinting that he might do that. Uh, Michael, uh, I, I'm told here uh, by our prime minister that uh, you apparently uh, decided to apologize to our country on behalf of yours. Is that true? I do. I do. I just want to collectively apologize for the uh, 300 million Americans. Uh, who, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know exactly how we're, I, I, I don't really claim, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. Uh, according to Hillary Clinton's new book, I am responsible for Donald Trump. According to the Democratic Party, I'm a Bernie bro and am responsible <laughs> for Donald Trump. But regardless, I don't know, I, I'm part of a culture 
that uh, creates reality TV stars uh, as their highest figures. And I, I believe that, um, you know, Trump being president is a result of uh, us having an entirely backwards-ass culture. So I apologize for that. I probably could have done more to, uh, I don't know what I could have done, but I probably could have done more in the 90s or whatever to steer the culture yeah. away from where it was you, going. And you, I was just sitting on my ass listening to the breeders and uh, smashing pumpkins. You just need to find a TARDIS and yes. then go back. <laughs> now, we, we've, we've been authorized to tell you that uh, we've been uh, ex- extending asylum to Americans that want to come up north for yes. the next four years or so. Hide All behind y- the Great Wall of Ice. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is remember that we have stronger beer and you have to prefer hockey over football for the next four years. Yeah. So you're man, welcome to join all us. Of our, we'll, we'll take you up on that, man. We All we drink is like 12.5% beer that's so dark that people think it's like, you know, black tea or whatever. Oh it's like, gosh. that's how, that's, yeah, we hate, we hate American beer. So if it isn't German... Or Canadian beer, we're not drinking it. So we'll take you up on that. <laughs> yeah, come on up anytime. We accept the apology. Come on up. <laughs> <laughs> now Thank we, you. We I, feel, talk- I feel much better now. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the uh, Hillary and her latest book, uh, you had a chance to glance at her book. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, my thoughts on it were that, you know, a lot of it is probably stuff that, you know, that, that she you know, dictated to someone to write, but I really felt like that the attack on on Sanders was probably ghostwritten for her by people in the Democratic Party. I mean, she's very loyal to the party, which is, you know, her best and worst um, thing about her, I would say. And uh, when I was reading that, and it was coinciding with these uh, corporate media articles that came out that were saying one out of 10 Sanders supporters voted for Trump and that's why Trump is president. I said, wow, well, isn't that a coincidence that, you know, that that I'm sure that somebody in the Democratic Party said, hey, we have to do everything we can to make Sanders look bad. And can we, you know, will you say these things in your book or can we write these things in your book and say, I don't, or, or, I don't know, or maybe she's just so foolish that she's just... <laughs> I mean, I, I, never, I never put anything past that woman. She seems just incredibly out of touch. And I can't believe, I'm embarrassed to say, that we're still talking about her. I thought we were done with her, like, you know, six months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, as Canadians, um, we have a tendency to watch very closely what happens to the States. You guys are our biggest trading partner. And I must admit, the whole Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton thing had us... Uh, my God, Nancy and I almost came to blow. She put me in a headlock, and then she just, you know, I had to cry uncle at some point for her to let me go. Uh, we, we, we were actually flabbergasted by everything that went down there. So maybe, maybe for the, uh, our Canadian audience that might not exactly have followed the entire issue, can you take us back and give us a bit of a, a timeline of the events how, how, as they happened? Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I, I also will promote my book that's coming out in October. Absolutely, uh, it's, yeah, it's called My Bernie Journey, and that's exactly what it's about. It's uh, it, it's the subtitle on it is um, it's kind of long if I can remember. It is a uh, uh, a Bernie Sanders volunteers um, take on the 2016 presidential election, and and so yeah, I was kind of deep into that. In fact. When Sanders announced his candidacy, I mean, I was already like a huge fan. I actually signed a petition uh, asking him to run. I did not expect him to run. Uh, when he when he did run, the first thing I said to my partner Carrie was, uh, "Hey, uh, if you think I'm a bum now, you have no idea how bad this is going to be because I'm going to be doing everything I can to help this dude get elected." Which translates to. This is another year of me not making any money whatsoever. And Carrie, being the ultimate partner, she said, uh, 
okay, well, how can I help? And she's not wasn't political at all. And she went on the road with me to um, to promote this guy. And we wrote a story. We wrote a story a story about it. Marry her now. It, it, Marry it, her yeah. now. <laughs> what now? Marry her the, now. <laughs> oh, dude, it's as good as done. We're not really traditional in the sense of uh, that we need a certificate or anything. But she's she's we you know I'm 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 the luckiest man in the world, and I know that. And I, I work every single day to. Uh, to justify why she would be with me, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, she knows. No one will tell her. Don't don't. Hopefully, she doesn't hear this because I think she, you know. But anyway, but back to the question. Um, we saw it firsthand starting in Iowa. I went to Iowa to canvas for for Sanders because I knew that if he won Iowa, the first state to vote in uh, the Democratic primary, uh, that would put him on. Because I had noticed that he was. Um, nowhere on any media Mm -hmm. that like I I was on his website every day I was going to meetings I'm in Indianapolis Indiana I was going to meetings around here no one knew who he was there were 12 people at the meetings and uh, and so when I was going to vote I had looked at the numbers and it was very close I said you know we need to get to Iowa so me and some other friends went from Indianapolis and my family we all like went to meet up in Iowa and we and and the first thing that I saw was um, that that you know I mean I've always known that American politics are corrupt I mean everyone knows that mm-hmm. but but I mean I, I saw that there were um, Bernie had these uh, volunteer nurses who were trying to help people because it was a caucus most of the people that were come to vote for Bernie were very young or they were people who had never really caucused and didn't care about politics and this was their first so Bernie had these people they were dressed in red. And they were uh, nurses for Bernie. And they came there to help people so they knew their rights and responsibilities in the caucus. Well, I noticed that Hillary's answer to that was to roll up people in buses also wearing red, identical outfits that were actually Hillary volunteers, even though they weren't volunteers, even though it wasn't uh, on the outfits anywhere. And I looked at that and I was just like, why are they dressed just like the nurses for Bernie? And then various shenanigans at different places were going on where these people were saying to 18-year-olds who had never voted before, like, okay, well, you need to step outside. Uh, There's a fire hazard. And it was just obvious attempts to get them Mm -hmm. to go out because then you couldn't caucus once you had left. And things like that was the first I'd seen of it. We ran into, when we were canvassing in Iowa, we ran into paid canvassers for Hillary who told us they were going to vote for Bernie and they loved Bernie and they wished they could do it, but they had to make money. And I was like, we're out here working for free and they have all this money. And, you know, and it was just like, that was like on the ground stuff we started to notice. But then when I got back to Indianapolis, I turned on, I'm like, he tied her in, in, um, in Iowa and, and then obliterated her in New Hampshire. He got like 87% of the vote in the second state and she got, you know, 13%. It was not even close. Mm -hmm. And yet, and yet I turned on the TV after the first two states had voted and they were showing the superdelegate totals, which, which added 576, if I remember that number correctly, uh, delegate votes. So when it turned on, even though Bernie was actually ahead by, I don't know, say 30 to 40 it showed him being behind by, yeah. uh, you know, 550. And I said to Carrie when we were at the gym and we see this streaming on all the TVs at the gym, I said, this is an obvious attempt to get people to not support his campaign. And, yeah. and then people started to realize what I was doing and people would come up to me on the street and say, boy, Bernie's really getting it handed to him, right? And I'm like, no, he won the second state. He tied the first state. And so I was just like, 
I, I like I said, I, I was really happy that WikiLeaks came out and exposed what they were doing. But we knew firsthand that they were working with the media. I went immediately went to OpenSecrets.org, looked at Hillary's donors, and saw that three of our top ten donors uh, were Time Warner and other mass media mm-hmm. conglomerates. And I said, Oh my God, they're not going to mention Bernie on the TV. He's not going to exist. And uh, you know, and um, I know up in Canada, you might not have. Salt, but believe me, you were getting the same coverage in Canada of Bernie Sanders that we were getting down here. Oh, he yeah, did we not C- exist. Yeah, we get, we get he did CNN. not exist here. Yeah, we get CNN and MSNBC and some of the other stations. So there was, there, we, we, we had, co- whether people watched or not, but we, we had j- just as good coverage as, as you did in the States. Yeah. And then the other thing that was going on that we noticed um, was that Donald Trump was was just everywhere. And it was not, I mean, Fox had become, Fox News had become a, um, uh, basically a 24-hour Donald Trump channel. But it mm-hmm. wasn't just that. It was the normal left-leaning sites like MSNBC we saw. And I just started noticing this. And I said, I I said, I looked at, I started retrieving information. And this sounds so conspiracy theory, but I can say it out now. I was saying it then to certain people. And that was, I said, I think they're, I said, I think the Democratic Party is trying to get Donald Trump to be the Republican nominee. Uh, and, and then the WikiLeaks came out and it showed that they had a Pied Piper strategy. It was to get um, Donald Trump the nomination. And they were working with the same media organizations that was elevated. So their goal, the media organization's goal was to set Donald Trump up. So Hillary could, you know, mm. play the play the victim. It would be an easy win for the Democratic Party. The only thing they didn't count on is the fact that everybody hates Hillary Clinton, yeah. and 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 then the the WikiLeaks. I think just soured everyone. People like myself who would have went and voted for her just to avoid Donald Trump, and I would have. I mean, I just you, we a lot of us just said we can't do that after they cheated our uh, a candidate that was really for the people, and we said, you know. We can't reward this. So, I mean, like a lot of people give me shit about it. There's a chapter in my book about it. But uh, pretty much everybody I know, I know, wrote in Bernie Sanders name and didn't even vote for it just as a protest. Yeah. I mean, uh, up here in Canada, of course, I can't speak for the majority of Canadians, but I have yet to find somebody who would disagree with my views and, and Nancy's views on, on the uh, on the subject. Uh, we've I found it flabbergasting that. You know, whenever there's a politician going out there, most people say, geez, I wish I, I wish politician would not just talk the talk, but also walk the walk. And why I was so passionate myself about Bernie Sanders, I've never been passionate about a lot of politicians except this one politician. I really right. thought you guys had it in the bag with this, this man. And I'm thinking, here's a man who doesn't just talk the talk, he also walks the walk, and he's been doing it for 30-somewhat years. He's exactly mm-hmm. what you want. As a, as a politician, it's exactly what we always complain about. And to see him just get screwed was just absolutely amazing. And what was even more amazing to me as a Canadian is how nobody was talking about this. Yeah. I was talking more about this than most Americans, and I was getting flack on, on social media. And I would say, hey, I'm not even an American, and I could see this is wrong. This is really, really wrong. Yeah, it was. Uh, I really blame them blame the media and the coverage as you were talking uh, earlier, Michael, because they would, when Trump 
was on, or when Hillary was on giving a speech or having a rally or whatever it was, they'd give almost full coverage. Bernie mm-hmm. would speak, and it would be, and, you know, Bernie Sanders gave a speech at, and it would be no audio, yeah. just showing him, and not showing the amount of people that he was drawing, but just so brief that people who didn't know who he was before the uh, the campaign belonged had no way of getting to know him and getting to understand his remember, ideas early on in the campaign. Remember the empty podium? You know. Yeah, Bernie, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, the empty Bernie podium just for w- Trump. Which state did he just win when that happened? It was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was actually when he. Um, I believe it was when he tied in Iowa, which was a huge victory for a grassroots uh, candidate like that to be able to compete with the Clinton empire. And and that speech that he gave uh, was raucous because that was the the time when we all realized because I was out on the road and doing all the stuff for him. And I was thinking that I might just be insane, that this might be nothing. This might be another uh, Nader or Perot or something like that. And so when he managed to tie and actually show up you know the speech that he gave was one of the greatest speeches i've ever heard him give and i've seen the man give hundreds of speeches and it was just um an empty podium for donald trump who's going to come up and and bernie is giving this amazing speech and people are going insane and and it's not even covered and that was when we started to say well wait a minute this is this is crazy what's going on here there, there is something incredibly wrong about a politician that can fill 60,000 people in a stadium. This is as big as a rock concert and even bigger mm-hmm. than some rock concerts, many rock concerts. And he's a politician. He's his little old grandpa, and he's a politician. He's drawing that many people, and the press is not talking about it. And in the meantime, Hillary Clinton, who can barely fill 500 people in the room, is number one in everything. There was something very, very wrong there. Yeah, and there's, and you know, it's not just. I mean, like, like I said, I went all over. I went all over to different states, and this is anecdotal. And I'm a very scientific-minded person, but at a certain point, I just said, "Where are the Hillary signs?" And everywhere I went, you know, you would go out and you'd see a ton of Trump in the rural areas, and you would see um, Sanders. in the uh, metropolitan areas, and I never saw Hillary signs anywhere. I mean, maybe one a month I'd run, but compared to hundreds, thousands of Trump and Sanders signs, and I was just like, why are, if she has supporters, where are they? Why are they hiding? And I'm not saying that she didn't have supporters. I mean, maybe they just took it so much for granted they didn't bother to put their signs out. But, it, but and like I said, that's not scientific evidence, but when you see it times city after city after city after city, it, it is very strange, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people in the Sanders camp, want to go so far as to say that you know there were ballots flipped at the box, and there's you know there's some reason to think that. I'm not going to go that far. There is a chapter in my book uh, called "No One Wanted to Talk About It" that is about um, electoral fraud. Uh, I'm not going to go so far as to say that that's exactly what happened, but it is very mysterious that there you would see a guy who would. Uh, I, I worked some of these events where I would, as a volunteer, I'd get called to to work the door, and I would see, I'm not, and no exaggeration, I would see lines that were literally more than a mile long after the stadium that I was working had filled, and Hillary, like I was in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Hillary had an event, and they were out giving out tickets to it, and they gave, they went up and handed me tickets and said there was a free dinner with it, 
And I was just like, I- I'm not going to that. Nobody would. They couldn't give the tickets away to see this person. So who was voting for this person that no one that you couldn't fill up a high school gymnasium when this other guy had, as you say, 60,000 people in New York, 60,000 people in California? Uh, it just doesn't add up. No, no, it didn't add up at all. It was, it's even more staggering that, you know, um, a lot of Americans will say that uh, Donald Trump uh, didn't win the election. Uh, but he did. I yeah, mean, he, he did get the popular vote, but he did win fair and square. He did win fair yeah, and we, square. Yeah, yeah he, we have this antiquated three-fifths compromise uh, electoral college based on slavery from 250 you know, years ago. And he, that's the system he used He used to win. He yeah. won based on the stupid, antiquated system that America has for electing their president. And, you know, uh, it looks like he was pretty aware of how that system worked and manipulated it. Uh, like, you know, he did, a, he did crazy little tricks like actually fucking going to Wisconsin <laughs> to campaign. You know, which Hillary Clinton didn't think to do. Hillary Clinton was in Texas. Uh, and she was can't. Why was she campaigning in Texas? Yeah, Twice, when, and, when and, and, but, but Donald Trump was actually going to Pennsylvania, going to Florida, having these big rallies, and those are the states that matter when you want to win the presidential election in the United States because of the Electoral College and how it plays out. What, so what, yeah, he won. He won. Yeah, one of her right-hand men came out and said their strategy was to shift from trying to win Republicans to vote for Hillary. Uh, I thought, you, you guys are just absolutely crazy. It's not going to work. And yet that's exactly what they tried, right? Well, I, I first learned about Bernie, by listening to Tom Hartman on uh, the, the Tom Hartman program, who's a progressive liberal, and yep. I had been listening to Bernie, I guess, for about five years prior to his decision to run. And once he decided to run, I was really excited because I thought, oh, this is what we all need. This is a guy who's got an impeccable record of helping people, of not be, you know, not being so ego-driven that, um, you know, he was in it for the fame and the glory. But, you know, his background of being a democratic socialist um, seemed to fit where we were at the time. And when he started to campaign and the networks completely ignored him, I really couldn't understand why. You could see that the youth... Um, mm-hmm. uh, participation was growing, um, and everything was looking as though he was really on track to give Hillary a run for her money, and it never took off. It never happened. And, Michael, do you think that if he had been given um, the uh, the coverage that he richly deserved, that he would have won the, um, the, uh, the primary? Assuming, uh, assuming that um, the networks would have cooperated and not ran the superdelegate uh, pledged votes, which had not yeah. been pledged yet, assuming they would have played that straight and given him that level of coverage, I have, I have no doubt. I mean, it's just his message was just very compelling. We went into one of the problems that I had with the, with the campaign was that which I mean it was it was a very well ran campaign but when I would show up at these campaign offices they would give me list of like registered Democrats that were undecided and it was my job to go knock on their doors and talk to them and we we our our level of uh, our success rate in turning these people to vote for Sanders was I mean it was the easiest job in the world is like one person has a comprehensive climate change plan yep and one person doesn't. Uh, one person uh, it wants universal health care. 
Another person wants to expand Obamacare, which is also vague. She had no platform for anything. Everything was very vague. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one person wants to save the country's po- uh, our postal system, which is in a lot of trouble. Um, and, I mean, he had all these little intricate things. And the, dude, uh, the guy's a total nerd. You know, he sits <laughs> around and he writes out all this stuff. And I'm a total nerd. And I read it. And then I condense it. And I'm going up and talking to voters. And I mean, like, I think our our flip rate for uh, Hillary people was about 60%. And the, nice. the ones we couldn't flip were the ones who were voting for her because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's very, and it's, you know, it's identity politics. Yeah. They had, we had had, we'd had our black president and let's be real, man. I mean, let's be real. Having a black president, having a female president, that's important. Oh, okay. That's like, we need these societal role models for all of our citizens. We, and yeah, all things being equal, you give me two people who have the exact same platforms and one of them happens to be trans or gay or whatever, that is going to weight it a little bit over towards that side. But these people were not like, let's compare everything. They were like, she's a woman and I'm going to vote for her. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. And then the other thing that the, that the Clinton campaign had done a wonderful job of doing was convincing people that Hillary was was more electable and they got on that really early that mm. if that if you vote for Bernie Bernie will lose to whoever the GOP nominee is but Hillary will win I don't know how they they came up with this <laughs> and they got it out there but yeah to answer your question had the had people who heard his message we, oh, I know what I was going to say I would go into um, these things and I'd say where is the where is the ghetto where is the place in your city where all the people have not registered and is it is there time to get them registered and those are where i want to go and i'd go in and i would talk to uh minority voters well they weren't voters they were minorities who had never voted and i would say this guy wants to legalize marijuana this guy wants this guy emphasizes the education system over mass incarceration this guy wants to do away with you know i mean all these things that are affecting your community and we'd sign these people up in droves and 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 they would just everybody be excited about his message. The dude had a populist message, and so yeah, I think had they just stuck it on CNN and put it out there, he would have probably beat Hillary um, pretty Hillary. handily. I'm definitely sure he would have won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, every poll uh, was putting Bernie Sanders like ten points out of Trump, and every other poll was putting Hillary equal or under Trump's popularity uh, yep. and, and the numbers. To me, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And another thing that, that was also flabbergasted, I was flabbergasted by, the uh, independents in the United States represent about 44%. Almost half of all the voters are independents. Now, the other half of the voters, they're almost split evenly between Republicans and Democrats. So to shift the message from just to the Democrats and not try to go after the independents was a huge, huge mistake. And I think it's exactly what happened. The independents said... Bernie's not there. We're just going to stay at home. And that's pretty much what happened, I think. They stayed home. The Republican base always comes out. You can always guarantee that. The Democrats, not always. And it's exactly what happened. Well, they came out in the states that mattered. The, 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 what Trump would call the forgotten guys, the, the Bubba's and the, you know, the guys who are, are, are the blue collar yeah. workers who have, who are angry, who have done very poorly under the uh, the economics of the U.S. over a long period of time. The the what they call the what what is it, Michael? The rust the rust belt. Those are right. the, those are the guys that came out and tipped the the scales exactly. to them. And those unfortunately were the people who 
if they had been able to really get Bernie's message and understand where he was going, they really they they don't know it, but they're Bernie supporters. Exactly. They just right. pick Absolutely. they pick the guy who was bombastic enough and had enough coverage and said, "I'm going to vote for you, the little guy." And they were so angry they didn't realize that he was a con artist and a millionaire who never had them in mind. He just wanted their vote. Exactly. And if they had voted. It, it, you know, for Bernie, they would have tilted the election. I think he would have won. What do you think, Michael? Absolutely. Well, I agree with you um, completely. We we went to a lot of rural areas. Uh, we would just we would just uh, like go up, and when we found out there were the Bernie Sanders headquarters, um, you know, if like they were going to vote there in a couple of weeks, you know, we would just show up there and be like, "Where do you need us?" And they would, you know, like sent us out to like rural areas much of the time. Honestly, a lot of the time we didn't even know where we were. We just punched the address into the GPS, went out there, parked our car, got out, you know, walked what we could walk and dro- drove the rest of it. And we knocked on all these doors and we had some pretty interesting stories. You know, I like there's a story in my book about a naked man who stormed at us. There's another story in my book about a, about like this cop, this bald cop who came out with a shotgun and oh my- get off my lawn. We were scared for our lives then because we were out talking to rural voters predominantly about this guy who had declared himself a a democratic socialist. And most people don't know what that means. So they just heard socialist. And uh, we, we, we weren't getting shotguns pointed at us and such and naked people storming at us. When we weren't getting that, we had these great conversations with these people who were really excited about Donald Trump. And we left at least half of those houses with them. Uh, being turned over to vote for to vote for um, Sanders. I mean, I had a little. Um, I'm a, I'm like a chess player, so yeah. I always think of things in terms of of like how you can just counter things. So I would always end up setting it up to where I would say, "Hey, look, um, you know, I don't I don't think this guy is a Republican. You know, I think this guy is a New York City liberal." I said he he says he's against immigration, but he marries he marries half the immigrants that come to the country <laughs> and then divorces them. I said he, he you know he made these comments about his daughter. These aren't the values that we stand by, are they? And I said, you know what, you know what, Bernie Sanders has worked his entire life. He's worth four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I said th- this guy, his dad left him so much money, and I'd ask an honest question, and I'd show him. I'd say, I'd say, look, if if Donald Trump had put his money in a basic mutual fund that he inherited, do you know how much he'd be worth? And they'd say no, and I'd say he'd be worth $8 billion. Do you know how much Donald Trump is currently worth? And they'd say no, and I'd say he's worth $3.2 billion, which is dubious. He's not worth that much. That's what he says he's worth. Mm-hmm. But uh, he hides his tax return for for other reasons because he's squandered away a lot of that. I don't think he's probably worth a billion dollars, to be honest. And I would say, so this guy has failed at every marriage he's had. He's failed. He's bankrupted so many companies. He's he's pissed away daddy's money. I and I said now here's a guy who's only worth four hundred thousand dollars, but he's worked hard his entire life. Don't you think he'd be worth millions of dollars if he was taking payouts from people? Yeah. And people would say, you know, that's a good point. You know, and they and they'd vote for they'd say they were gonna vote for Bernie when we left there. So we don't know how many of them actually did. But yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. And we I'd go on the internet and people would say you know, they still do this. It's so ridiculous. People are like, oh, Trump voters are this, Trump voters are that, and all this. And I'm like, Trump voters are Bernie voters. You just got to talk to them. Yeah. We'll, well see. We'll see that in 2020. They'll vote for him. What states? What states did you uh, did you cover when you were working? Um, Pennsylvania, um, 
Michigan, Iowa, um, let's see, Washington, um, not the state. I'm trying to watch it. I guess that'd be Maryland. Um, uh, Ohio. There's a couple more. Yeah, so you uh, were in the significant, just, you were in some of the significant states, weren't you? Well, that's where we went. We went yeah. where we were just, I mean, like if it were, like I didn't go to New Hampshire. I mean, Bernie was going to win New Hampshire. That would yeah. be silly. I went to, you know, and I, I guess the thing I was most proud of that we did was, um, we started a program called the Vermont Bernie Sanders Write-In, which the goal was a, a Hail Mary attempt to get, uh, if the election was close, to get three electoral votes for Bernie. And uh, by actually having people in Vermont write his name in. And uh, we didn't get that accomplished. We didn't have the manpower to do it. But we did get 7% uh, of people in Vermont oh, wow. to actually write Bernie's name in mm-hmm. ba- based on phone banking and canvassing in Vermont. Well, that was pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, Michael, I, I've I've been through, I haven't been through all 77 states in the U.S. there. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I'm always, uh, whenever I'm in the States, I'm always shocked by this American fear of the word socialism. Mm-hmm. Now, can you, because we're Canadians, we're not afraid of the word, obviously. Uh, I think a lot of Americans think of us as socialists. Well, why is it about the word socialism that scares Americans so much? That's a good question. I wish I knew the origin of how that started. I mean, obviously, we know that in every form of government, you have um, you have people that come in and do not uh, follow the mandate of that form of government and just use it as a way to suppress the citizens. And socialism has definitely been used for that. I mean, um, the Nazis, you know, were the German Socialist Party. They were socialist in no way at all. But, you know, that's what they call themselves. So that's definitely a huge black eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we've had various Central American countries um, that were that call themselves socialist when it was really just propped up dictators, oftentimes propped up by the United States Mm -hmm. uh, who, who were going through just, you know, hoarding all the wealth. For themselves while their citizens fought and starved so there have been people that have abused uh the government of socialism but uh the government form socialism but that's happened with every form of government i mean if you with okay the united states with what we've done with capitalism i i would say 100 years from now if this keeps going if you go to any place in the world and you say hey let's be a capitalist country they're gonna say no <laughs> you know look at what the united states did exactly. remember the united states exactly. yeah i remember them yeah uh, they're owned by uh, Vladimir Putin's son now, right? But like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but 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 like, I just feel like people don't know what the word means. Um, there was um, I, I was in um, when I was in college. We had this. Uh, I took um, sociology, and um, amongst many worthless uh, degrees that I accumulated while I was there, and um, in the fact, I say worthless in the sense that I've never made really a dime off yeah. any of them, but I learned a lot. And the uh, the sociology professor came in one day, and I thought this was like really good. And I imagine so- uh, sociology one hundred and one professors probably do this across the country, but it's first time I'd ever seen it. And he said he he put on the board, he put all these different forms of government across the top of the board, and he's like, which form, uh, do, you know, do you support? And everybody came up, and they all put under capitalism, and socialism was completely ignored. And uh, and so then he went through and he taught us about the various forms of government and then he said if you uh could if you had to be born like again randomly and you could not control where you were born what socioeconomic situation you were born into what gender you were 
and what your skin color was, which one of these um, forms of government would you want to be born into? And like everybody switched over to socialism. <laughs> Yep. And, you know, which is this is exactly the kind of thing that the Republicans hate. Right. You got these like guys in these classrooms turning their kids into socialists. But <laughs> I mean, it's it's just common sense, man. I mean, if I've got, you know, I interviewed uh, when I was in Panama City last month, I interviewed the, these little kids there. And I said, how much allowance do you get? And I got fifteen dollars. And I said, would you be willing to give a dollar of your weekly allowance so that your friends could, you know, go to the doctor when they got sick and they were all like, we give all of it. Aww. And, uh, I know, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and I believe them. I believe they would. And so I think that most Americans, I mean, not only do they use the socialist systems um, all the time, but it, without realizing, but I think most Americans are socialist. They just need to understand they that the knee-jerk yeah. reaction they're having to the word is is based on something that is not not normally. And you want to take care of your fellow man. We all do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I you, think I think you're right. I think Americans, as a general rule, when you say socialism, they think Russia, but they really don't think that what what the word really relates to are the Scandinavian countries, mm -hmm. which are the countries that most people admire. Mm -hmm. But for mm -hmm. some reason, they have the negative connotation. But when they talk about countries and people in countries that they think are the happiest and most prosperous and, you know, the, 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 the better countries to live, they point to the Scandinavian countries. So there's yeah. this disconnect, I there's, think, don't you? There's already a ton of uh, yeah. socialist programs in the States, yeah. uh, from the libraries to the police force to the yep. fire department. Medicare. And you, could you imagine going back to a time where the fire department, there was a time where you actually had to pay a specific right. fire department. They would put a plaque on your house. And if your house caught on fire, that specific department had to come and hose your house. And if the fire spread to the house next door and there was no plaque there, too bad, it was burning down. Can you imagine going back to a private system like that? That's insane. Well, that, that happened several years ago, in, yep. in, I think in Tennessee or something, yeah. but we digress. If, if, if I may, Michael, whenever I deal with, with Americans, I always play to them uh, when they don't understand socialism. I always tell them socialism is like football and capitalism is like baseball. That's why the Yankees always win, because mm -hmm. they get the most money. They recruit everybody. They always have the best yep. players. But football, the team that comes last, gets first pick. And that's yep. socialism, and I think a lot of people understand that. It's a good point. point. Yeah, that's a really good. That's a really great way of uh, of approaching it because then you've also got common ground with the person you're speaking with. Mm -hmm. As most Americans are sports fans, so I like that. Thanks for that. I'm putting that in my quiver. <laughs> and, and let's face it, American uh, American baseball just makes you fall asleep too. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do want to say real quick that what I what I, I, I this I you know two years ago when I started. Um, you know, working with the Sanders campaign, I had no idea where it was going to take me. I did not want to write that book. That was the last thing I wanted to do is, is relive it. But I had a whole bunch of people saying, hey, please write this, please write this. And I sit down to write it. And it was just ridiculously difficult. I, I love writing, but I like writing political articles about things that are happening and theories. And I like writing fiction, which I do for my own the enjoyment and I don't you know really no one ever sees that but when I started the writing uh, I, I started a column called the independent thinker and uh, that took off and that was uh, kind of a shock to me and we had you know some of my articles were having like nine something like 900,000 views overnight and I and I was like okay so uh, and I was just out doing my thing and you as we talked about this evolved into me hitting the road and doing these interviews and I keep and I'm constantly thinking when you ask that question about 
Americans reaction to socialism. I'm constantly thinking about how do we re-educate the or educate in the because America is a in ridiculously un, uneducated when it comes to politics. Uh, and so what I decided to do, I just recently bought a green screen. I put it. I, I put it up. I've been working on using it and making short movies that no one's seeing except me. But what I'm doing right now is I'm um, I'm going. I'm a, these will start coming out in November. My book comes out in October, and I've been practicing daily. And I've got a bunch of videos coming out, like like they're one minute videos. And the idea is they're so simple that you can play them in elementary school mm -hmm. classrooms. And I've got one coming out about what is socialism, and it's just a one minute video. It's quick edited. I've got a couple of different green screens and I've been practicing all the stuff and it's literally it's like it's like if MTV uh, were to make, you know, I don't know if, if there's such a thing as MTV anymore, honestly, but back uh, in, in the day when I would watch MTV and everything was real quick and I like we got to do something that keeps people. So I just been studying and and. And I think what we need to do is we need to have real quick little little bites that people can that you can show to the dumbest person that you know, and they can now understand the concept. And if you want to meet dumb people, come to America. There are millions <laughs> of them, and I'm going to make little one minute videos to educate them. So, and I want them to be in classrooms. That's my goal. Do you think that with the such change in where people are getting their information, especially the younger generation, with social media being such an uh, integral part of our lives now that the ability to like inform people is easier like inform a larger mass of people so like educate them about yes. Bernie Sanders and get his name recognition higher and get more people knowing who he is to vote for him uh yes and no and the I mean we literally just saw a guy whose entire uh, presidential campaign was built on social media. Mm -hmm. They blacked him out in the mainstream media, and it didn't matter because everyone went to... And if you look at the average age of a CNN viewer, the median age is 64. Wow. The median age of a Fox News viewer is 68. Cool. The, in tw 20 years ago, we saw print news publications in America uh, bite it. They just were mm -hmm. gone. You know, They just they fought, they did everything they, can, they could, and now... You read your newspapers online. That's just how it is. And now we see the same thing happening to the news organization. I don't know anybody who watches CNN or Fox. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they're out there. And, and, and I know that they cause a lot of problems, especially Fox cause a lot of problems. But people are, you know, moving over to uh, to get they get their news from social media. The problem with that is. And, I, and again, this is my, my my main focus when I was in school was like I actually went when I went to college, I actually went to the university. I had no idea what I was doing. No one in my family had ever went to college. I walked, and this is pre-Mad Men. I hadn't even seen <laughs> Mad Men yet. So like, uh, I walked into the college and I said, I'm really fascinating by, fascinated by advertising, how it changes people's minds. Because um, I had been doing a lot of reading on it. And, and, and I said, how do I get into advertising? Do you have classes here for that? And they said, no, we have classes for psychology. Yep. And so I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking, how do we use this amazing medium uh, to to affect positive change and the the yes we can get anything out there right now i have something like on various social media outlets i have something like a hundred thousand followers wow. as someone told me i haven't and so i can go out and i can in a few seconds i can put something out and a hundred thousand people can see it which is incredible but but it cannot be anything as sophisticated as what we're doing right here. The average person is not going to sit down and listen to people talk for an hour, hour and a half. I do, and mm -hmm. I love it. I listen to podcasts are my life, and I listen to 
you know, just podcast where people just sit and have discussions. Same. <laughs> uh, and I love it. Yeah. In fact, today, t- today, like my friend from Chicago's in town and I've been meaning to start a, a podcast with him for a couple of years now. And we've been talking about different formats. And I told him, I said, dude, just come over today. We'll do what we always do. We'll talk politics and we'll record it and we'll see if we can edit it into something. And, you know, I said, you know, 15 people will listen to it and that's fine. But like, how are we going to get the massive change? Well, we saw, you know, that that you can do, but, but when I put an article on the internet, I don't think any, or on Facebook or whatever, I don't think anyone's going to read it. So if it doesn't explain what it is in the title, Mm -hmm. then, and that becomes a big problem because then you have a lot of fake news where, you know, where people put stuff on there, like, you know, Hillary ate six babies for breakfast this morning. (laughs) And it's just, people read that stuff and they believe it's crazy what people will actually believe. So yeah, we can get the message out there quick, but how do we get something to where people actually are able to educate themselves. Uh, we're, we, we put this podcast up. You know, this is a wonderful podcast. I've been listening to it all. I've been listening to it all week, just like kind of prepping myself for this. And it's a, but if I go out and I and I hand it to the average person in the street and I say, hey, man, okay, give me your phone. I'm going to put, uh, okay, I installed Stitcher and I linked to, you know, Left at the Valley. And, you know, the, people are not, people are, most people, unfortunately, are not going to give that kind of time commitment. So how do we get people when we, if they're going to give us half a second, how do we, how do we get them compelled to give us five seconds? And, and then after that, I don't think, you know, maybe up to a minute, people's attention spans are so short. There's so much fighting for that attention. My thing is, how do we do this? How do we do this in short bites? Because mm-hmm. if we're not doing it in short bites, we're not going to get the average American who's got a million things coming at them at all times. Well, one of the things that I'm finding very effective on, on Facebook is the uh, indivisible group. And we're, mm-hmm. we're up here, and the closest indivisible group that uh, I belong to is in Bellingham, Washington. And it's not a, um, a, um, a, 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 a site where you have to read an awful lot. It's right. do this. Here's the mm-hmm. phone number. And it, the, it, since it's structured toward do this and here's how you do it and here's how you say it and then show up for a meeting and we'll give you coffee and pizza, that yep. seems to be at this point the the best way to get people involved and i follow not only what's on social media but what they're actually doing and they're drawing huge amounts of people who have yep. never in their lives ever thought of becoming part of politics but now they're aroused and they're angry and they want to change so maybe it's not the reading maybe it's the pointing to an activity that leads to a little hope and a little you know saving of all of the american institutions that's going to do it. You're, you're absolutely right. And Indivisible is wonderful. Uh, I uh, I love the way they do things. They're they're succinct. They just they make it simple. And what you have to do, no matter what group you are, I know Our Revolution um, has Nina Turner now as the president, which I'm relieved because I'd go to Our Revolution meetings and I try I, every time I go to a meeting I try to take somebody who's not involved in politics, and and I would take. And I'm just speaking about the local Indianapolis chapter. Mm-hmm. I can't speak about the organization as a whole. I love their mission statement. But when I would go to these local things, I'd take people. They would they would then be so bored that they would not want to do anything politically. You have to get people plugged in, make them feel important. I just went to a local Democrat meeting right after uh, Trump won, just because I'm, I'm I'm you know people don't get the fact that 
they don't get Bernie, they don't get me, they don't get people like us who say we have to reform the party. They think that we're sanctioning the mm-hmm. awful things the party does. No, it's the opposite. But I will go in and I will use my local Democratic Party. And I went to those meetings and they were, you know, and they had me. I loved it because the first thing they did was they said, here's a list of of people. Please call these people and read the script. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm sitting in a room with 30 people and we're all phone banking suddenly. And I thought that was great. You have to empower people. But, uh, you know, I, I heard you say a couple of times, um, it sounds like you're lamenting lamenting Donald Trump. And I have a sort of a different view on that. And and I certainly understand that because... Don't the, get her started the, on Donald Trump, man. This show is going to go over three hours if you get her started <laughs> on Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I, well, that's fine. I might have to step away and refill my I coffee I just get cup started in three hours. At that point, I'm gaining a little momentum and show a little spark. And, 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 oh, that's your last name. That's fun. <laughs> I loved I love Donald Trump and here I'll tell you why. It would have been great and it would have been great if Bernie had won in 2016. But if he would have won, he would have uh, most likely inherited um you know, if there would have been a huge voter turnout, huge which would have required the media to mm-hmm. to you know to actually cover his campaign. But if there had been a huge voter turnout, then we could have turned the House and Senate and we could have ushered in this new age of of, of progressive uh, politics in America. Things would have started getting done really fast and it would have been noticeable. And that would have been wonderful. Um, but that's not reality. Reality is if Bernie had won, uh, he would have inherited uh, a Republican um, House um that would have and and Senate that would have not been sympathetic to his mm-hmm. goals, and it would have been very similar to the Obama presidency. It would for at least the first two years, and then you know Bernie, unlike Obama, Obama made the big mistake of after he got everybody all riled up, basically you know pulling in and saying, okay, everybody go back to your jobs, which was a huge mistake. I don't think Bernie would have done that. Bernie would have said, okay, we're not getting anything done because I need you to vote in these twenty eighteen midterms. And and which is pretty much what he's doing now. But it would have been two years of frustration with Trump, the combination of Sanders and Trump together, which I think is uh, just a miraculous combination. You have this one man who stands up and says, take control of your government. And then you have at the same exact time a very real uh, fascist um, pseudo Nazi mm-hmm. uh, threat. with the most powerful military in the world. And that is something that we all need to take very seriously. I mean, this man is unstable. This man is a narcissist. This this guy is a real threat. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? And I love it because because if Hillary had won, what Bernie would have tried to do is to try to get uh, his base, people like us, to pressure Hillary to do the things that she said she would do and she would have dragged her feet and tried to please her donors and um you know bernie would get some stuff done but it would have been it wouldn't have inspired people Mm -hmm. it would have would have been it would have been kind of behind the scenes and i think the whole movement would have kind of fallen apart um but because of trump i always say like you know sanders is like the the jab and trump is like the cross and between the two of them you know, I think now we have the establishment uh, up against the ropes. I think that they're freaking out, which is why they're trying to destroy Sanders' mm-hmm. uh, credibility. They they don't know what to do. They know they know they have to defeat Trump. They know they cannot defeat Trump just by saying, "Hey, look, Trump is awful. 
they ha- they know they actually have to run an inspiring candidate. They they try to run like people like Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, up, people like that up there. And resoundingly, the American people are saying no. Uh, and so I, I feel like we're in a great position right now. We are going to look back at this time in 10 years. We are going to look back at this time and say, wow, that was a good thing for the, for the country and therefore a good thing for the world. Or all be rubble. We won't be looking back at anything. <laughs> yep. So it's a win-win, right? Well, especially <laughs> especially because with Trump, people can look and see how much their vote actually matters and how much your elected leader does impact your country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. that person. That's the silver lining of the Trump presidency. Kind of shows which direction your whole government's going to go in. So you have to elect someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah, that's the silver lining of the Trump presidency. It wakes up the average American mm-hmm. to say, yep. you know, I need to give a damn about what goes on in politics. Not to mention, not to mention that I think that a lot of people, I hope that a lot of Americans are waking up and saying, if we build a society based on the Kardashians, based on Honey Boo Boo, based on uh, a guy being able to throw a ball into a hoop, these are the highest things that we admire. We're going to end up with a moronic population who who, who puts a reality TV star. I mean, like like it's ridiculous it's like i mean people always make the comparison to idiocracy but that's exactly what it is after world war one america had the number world war two america had the number one education system in the world last time i looked it was number 14 and we're the wealthiest country and we have this i mean we have all of these things wrong and trump to me is the this couldn't have happened to any other country. This couldn't have happened to any uh, people would have laughed at the idea. And now instead of instead of instead of laughing, Kid Rock is going to run for Senate. <laughs> and, and 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 the Rock and and Kanye West mm-hmm. are talking about running for president. No. No. <laughs> we can't put up with that. It's time to wake up because so I think Trump is like a big wake up call. And you know what? Mm-hmm. If the people don't wake up, I've got friends in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and and up, also, so. it's not just a wake-up call for America. Because I know in Canada, after the American election, I became more interested in Canadian politics. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, well, if American can go that shitty that fast, like I have to make sure that Canada stays on the right track. And we actually just had um, an election in BC itself. And we've had a liberal government for, was it 16 years? Yeah. And we just um, got NDP and a Green Coalition, which yeah, well, is... Well, to, 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 to Michael, you might understand, they're co-liberals, but they're actually conservatives. They have the liberal <laughs> moniker, but they're actually conservatives. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now it's, okay. been, it's, it's switched around. Uh, Michael, uh, before I let you go, uh, a couple of quick questions. Um, do, first, do you feel that the uh, Democratic Party cheated Bernie Sanders? And B, how optimistic are you for 2020? Uh, well, I definitely feel that they cheated him. Uh, I feel that the main way and they they cheated him was the as I mentioned was to just use their corporate media arms uh, to black him out, pretend like he didn't exist. So that that is um, not you know that's not electoral fraud, but it's it's more it, it's it's just as important. And then there's the question of um, th- there's the question of the fact that the 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 exit polls have been historically accurate. Um, for 40 years and suddenly we have exit polls showing that bernie sanders yes. uh won one by two points and then he comes out and he lost by two points well that's a four 
you four point that's a four point swing and somebody put we you know we we um we did all the, those interviews I got on the road, and the first one that we posted, uh, by the way, if you want to see any of those interviews, you can go to facebook.com uh, slash resist revolt activist media. Activist media is a company I've recently started. We're just getting off the ground, and there's some people on there saying some pretty interesting stuff. And uh, Peter Hager, a guy I interviewed in, um, in Miami, said uh, that he felt that after, uh, after Michigan, the establishment just freaked out and said, do whatever it takes because Bernie has the momentum and he's going to win mm -hmm. the remainder of these states. And he was and it is interesting. I'm not going to go out and just say that they were flipping votes of the machine, but it is interesting that Bernie fared a bit better in, in states that had paper ballots. It is interesting that the networks decided that they were going to do away with the exit polls. Uh, with 13 states uh, still to vote, and they've never done that. They've, they, you know, they've never done that before, and they just decided to cancel them. And then, then it is interesting that, um, you know, that I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't want to destroy my credibility, um, and so I try to stay away from conspiracy theories. Well, of course, but of course. yeah, it's it certainly seems like you can't help but raise I wouldn't. Eyebrow. I wouldn't put it past them. It certainly seemed like there was some shenanigans going on there. Uh, and you know, and when people get mad at Sanders, they say, "Well, why didn't you come out and call it out?" It would, it would, because then the corporate media would pick up that story, yeah. and it would just, and it would just be like they would just try to make him look like a crazy old man, and they would destroy exactly. everything that we've worked for. So he can't; he's not in a position to call that out. Exactly. So about twenty twenty, how positive are you that uh, Bernie might give it another shot? Um, uh, well, Bernie is everything I aspire to be, and and the first thing he is is he is selfless. So Bernie will do what is is best for America. If there is, and you know, so what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to discredit him, and they've they've done a pretty good job at that actually. You know, take one visit to any um, Facebook, uh, you know, progressive politics room, and you'll see all these whack jobs that they're talking about Jill Stein and about how Bernie sold out, and it's just that's a result of of putting out trolls. To, to post false uh, articles and and try to suppress the movement. And they do a pretty good job at it. People are pretty, you know, easy to turn against them, especially when they're new to politics and they don't yeah. really know how things work, which is what Bernie did. He brought a lot of new people in. And, um, but he's still and the most popular politician out there right now. He, he is. He's, he's, it's not even close. So they're, But they're going to continue that assault. And they've got a couple of years to do that. And they're going to try to do everything they can. They're going to write their what happened books and they're going to do everything they can to see if they can whittle him down to where if he did run, they would be able to beat him. That is not going to happen. They are not going to be successful at that. It'll be interesting to see the different techniques that they try uh, because when they try those techniques and they don't work, they sort of expose them even more for what yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. So, so around and, and what Bernie's doing right now, and I love I love how he just does everything without you know making it real obvious. What he's doing right now is he's standing there, threatening to run. He like you said, he's going to the places and he's kind of setting it all up. He's not doing that so he can run. He's doing that in case he has to run. Mm -hmm. But he's also doing that to say, hey, look, you're going to do the things that we want you to do. And so if they're not doing those things, then yeah, he'll he'll run or he will find someone and endorse them. And it could be somebody that we're not even talking about. Yeah. It could be somebody out of left field who just comes up and gets. And if Bernie Sanders drops the endorsement on them, they have the support 
of of the the predominance of the left leaning people. Now, you know what? So what they're trying to do is with the Kamala Harris and people like that is they're trying to to engage in the identity politics. Like, hey, don't you want a black woman? You know, hey, don't you want to? You know, just this silly stuff. Mm-hmm. But it actually works. So if they feel like they can't do that. And they're and they're not going to conform to any of the things that Bernie wants them to do. We're not going to get a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. You know, I feel I feel like the universal health care bill he just put out was just exactly designed to expose uh, who you know who is is the enemies of our movement that need to be voted out in twenty eighteen. And it's just this big you know three dimensional chess game that's going on right now. And uh, if he runs, he wins because they can't pull what they pulled again. Nope. Uh, and they, and they can't put anyone up now. against him. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go for your other theory, Michael, that, that he will endure that between the movement that he started and his own credibility and the things that he's able to do in the Senate right now, I think his endorsement of somebody that we don't know right now, a younger, a very mm-hmm. dynamic uh, person that can take over somebody for the... Somebody named Michael Sparks? Maybe? Yeah, Michael Sparks. <laughs> somebody somebody that's going to take over for the, the, for the old white guys who are on their way out. I think his endorsement, his inspiration, and his ground game will... Uh, will bring the bring the Democratic Party back to 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 have a winner, but so that that's a prediction of yours that that I, I'll stand behind a hundred percent at this point. And then you and I will we'll, we'll get to the podcast, and you will get together and see uh, what actually happens after the elections. How's that? That sounds awesome. You know, I think that a person would probably be Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, mo- most likely, or or you know, possibly Nina Turner, and uh, that would be tough. To, for the you know because the Democrats they love their identity politics, and um, you know they do want a woman, and I think either of those women are um, they're both amazing and they're dynamic, and uh, you know they are people of color, and that would appeal to the identity part of the party, which is most of it, mm-hmm. as well as having Sanders endorsement for these, and they're true blue. They're not going to I shouldn't say true blue because you know that's the Democrat. They are true. They are not going to be corrupted. Uh, before I get off here, I just want to say uh, if it's okay to pimp. The book, My Bernie Journey, will come out in October. If you have any interest in that, you can follow, uh, you can follow that at facebook.com slash lovebreaksthemachine. And that will also tap you into activist media. And you'll be able to see all the shorts and stuff we got coming out. Perfect. We got a lot of exciting things. And the thing that we have that I'm most excited about is we have an interactive song that will be coming out in the late fall that is designed to just basically say bernie please run in 2020 <laughs> and what and what we're gonna we're putting the video out uh and and then we're going to every day i'm just gonna open up my mailbox i'm having people sing the chorus and every day i'm gonna go and throw their choruses on top of the chorus in the song and re-release the video That's on a daily awesome. basis so we can get tens of thousands of people singing this this little three minute um folk song that we wrote that's pretty fun and uh if nothing else bernie will feel loved by millions of people yeah. uh singing to him and if you know just and at the end it just says hey please run please run in 2020 we want him to run again michael, we all do even the canadians want him to run yes. again especially the canadians michael yes. be, be sure to send us all that we'll put him in the notes of the show of course uh and if people want to get in touch with you where can they find you uh, you can you can reach me at go Bernie go Bernie go at gmail.com. <laughs> oh my gosh, Michael! Before I let you go, I gotta make you say one thing. Can you say hi? I'm Michael Sparks, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Michael Sparks, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Michael E. Sparks. What a great guy! I love him. Oh man, he he's 
he just really represents the new generation of activists and, and dynamic uh, participants in, in democracy. You know, he really does. He's, he's, it's all heart, and he's, he's yes. putting his body he's, into he's it. He's got such you know? a drive. I, yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking, God, if I wasn't American right now, I'd go on the road with him. It's like, yeah, yeah let's go <laughs> distribute those papers. He definitely makes me feel more pumped about the American yes. political system. I'm uh, like, you yeah. know, okay. We still have hope. <laughs> yeah, no, it's guys like Michael and, and people who are part of Bernie's revolution and indivisible. Those are the guys that are, are going to seize hold of, you know, before everything crumbles. They're the mm -hmm. ones that are going to bring everything back. Yeah, they give you hope, right? They yeah, you've got to have hope in them. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's great to see, you know, the, the younger generation, not the old boomers, the younger generation taking care and taking hold of their politics and driving the movement forward. Uh, I've got nothing but inspiration and hope after talking to Michael, which is great because you know mm -hmm. what? I've, to be quite honest, no politician in my life, my lifetime, have ever inspired me as much as Mr. Sanders. Uh, and he's an American politician. You know, I never thought I would have seen this. You know, our, our politics are usually pretty dull compared to American politics. Yep. But thank goodness we also don't have people, although they've tried, to bring Trump-style politics to Canada. Mm -hmm. And Canada's basically said no and... Kudos. Maybe the Americans can actually learn from us on something like that. Well, if it motiv if it motiv if, tr if 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 Trump's claim to fame is going to be that he motivated everybody to to to, to fight harder for all, all of the institutions and, you know, to get out there and, and, and participate and, and to vote, then maybe maybe that's a that's a good thing. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today on the show. You can always find us at leftofvalue.com. You can find us at on Facebook, at uh, Twitter, at LATV Podcast. You can send us an email, left at valley at outlook.com. You can send your complaints to Nancy at <laughs> leftofvalue.com. Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna after today's podcast, I gotta grab some kind of a sign and go out and march. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy like for that. complaints. We got now. We gotta get out there and do something. <laughs> Coming up next week, we'll be having our old friend, his Ronis, Arn Rob. I'm so there. excited. Oh, very, very excited. It's always a great time with Arn. And of course, at the end of the month, we have the legendary Jerry Coyne. will be talking to us about evolution. In October, we'll be talking to author William Zingrone. And we'll also have Pete the Vegan. And we'll also be doing a show on bronies. That's that should be interesting. It's going to be a very interesting show. And of course, for our Halloween special, we have Andrea Garustian, and she'll be talking about the devil. And November, we'll have author David McAfee, and we'll also have a Canadian atheist journalist. His name is Scott Douglas. He'll be coming to talk to us. Good, strong shows. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Great. We try hard. We try hard. <laughs> <laughs> you do good, Kevin. You do good. Yes. Uh, and uh, don't forget to follow our little sister show from our friend Tyler and Kevin, So You Think You're a Skeptic, on Facebook on Mondays. You just look up So You Think You're a Skeptic, and you can just follow them live. They've been doing some... Yeah. Fantastic little things. And, and read, Harry read Harry Potter. Harry oh. Potter, you become less prejudiced. It's a fact. <laughs> There's two of us now, Kevin. <laughs> hey, this is not the Harry Potter fan hey, hour. Hey, okay? I'm here, so it valley. is. No, it's not. <laughs> <sighs> it's a Harry Potter fan hour wherever I go. <laughs> the, com the comments of Christina are not necessarily those of Little Valley, subsidiaries, etc., etc. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer. I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance
and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims that's something to be ashamed i'm an atheist Something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. 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 